Welcome to the FBC Athens podcast, Open to Explore Devotions. We are now in the fourth week of our Lenten journey, today being the 27th day of our pilgrimage to the cross. The devotion is given by Frank Granger. It is based on Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And today it is read from the voice translation. Listen to the tune of Simple Gifts, played by Addison Acock, and prepare your mind, heart, and spirit to listen for God. When the Son of Man comes in all his majesty, accompanied by throngs of heavenly messengers, his throne will be wondrous. All the nations will assemble before him, and he will judge them, distinguishing them from one another as a shepherd isolates the sheep from the goats. He will put some, the sheep, at his right hand, and some, the goats, at his left. Then the king will say to those to his right, Come here, you beloved, you people whom my Father has blessed. Claim your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of creation. You shall be richly rewarded. For when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was alone as a stranger, and you welcomed me into your homes and into your lives. I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you tended to my needs. I was in prison, and you comforted me. Even then the righteous will not have achieved perfect understanding and will not recall these things. Master, when did we find you hungry and give you food? When did we find you thirsty and slake your thirst? When did we find you a stranger and welcome you in or find you naked and clothe you? When did we find you sick and nurse you to help? When did we visit you when you were in prison? I tell you this. Whenever you saw a brother or sister hungry or cold, whatever you did to the least of these, so you did to me. At that he will turn to those on his left hand. Get away from me, you despised people whom my father has cursed. Claim your inheritance. The pits of flaming hell where the devil and his minions suffer. For I was starving, and you, let, you left me with no food. When I was dry and thirsty, you left me to struggle with nothing to drink. When I was alone as a stranger, you turned away from me. When I was pitifully naked, you left me unclothed. When I was sick, you gave me no care. When I was in prison, you did not comfort me. Master, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? When did we see you friendless or homeless or excluded? When did we see you without clothes? When did we see you sick or in jail? When did we see you in distress and fail to respond? I tell you this. 
Whenever you saw a brother hungry or cold, when you saw a sister weak and without friends, when you saw the least of these and ignored their suffering, so you ignored me. So these, the goats, will go off to everlasting punishment, but the beloved, the sheep, the righteous, will go into everlasting life. The sheep and the goats. This is the shorthand title often used to identify this parable. When you hear it, what is the first thing that comes to mind for you? Is it hope related to the surprise of the sheep, hearing that they have shown kindness and help to Jesus when tending to the needs of others? Or the fear of harsh judgment due to neglecting Jesus for having failed to be helpful and considerate to those who are among the least in society. I am met with both of these responses simultaneously. On the one hand, I welcome this passage and its message which encourages us and nations to engage in the social justice concerns by giving aid to those in need. It indicates this is not only a good thing to do, It also claims that by doing so, we minister to and meet the Christ among us. Yet, at the same time, I am chilled with the sobering truth that I may more likely be on the left-hand side of the separation, standing with the goats. Hearing this parable surfaces those various and, dare I say, numerous times when I have encountered the least and did not give aid. Simply walking into the church parking lot offers chance encounters with those among the least of these. Other chance encounters come directly to the door of the office with the request to see a minister. Such encounters come with various requests. Like when the bus station was downtown in Athens, we would have people come by for a bus ticket. Or... People would come by with a need for gas in order to make it to their destination. Maybe they needed a prescription filled or money for some other need. Sometimes very elaborate stories accompanied the requests. The more rambling and detailed ones were also the most suspicious and probably not true. I remember one time on a Wednesday afternoon, a person coming in with a request for $10, that's all, just to get a flat tire fixed. He promised to return and pay back what was really to be a loan. After giving him the money, I never saw him again. On another Wednesday evening years ago, a man came with a story about the desperate need for diapers. In reality, it was money for diapers he was looking for, meaning it was only money. The diapers story was a ruse. Not all who came were dishonest or misleading with their stated need. Once, before the days when our daily bread was here, a young man came by who was hungry. I decided to reach out to Wilson's Soul Food, a meat-and-three diner just a block away on Hall Street. I called and asked if I could send him there to get lunch, then I would come later that afternoon and pay for his meal. Wilson's agreed. Later that afternoon, I went to Wilson's to pay, and I found out that, yes, indeed, the man had gone to get a meal there and had been fed. I was grateful that he was able to get a meal. I was also grateful for the trust and kindness of Wilson's. The times I have extended aid are by far outweighed 
by the times that I have chosen not to extend aid. I like to believe that on occasions when helping with the need or taking the time to listen, that I have responded like the sheep in the parable. I hope for all my goat-like neglect, there is grace enough to heal my hard-heartedness. Despite the clarity of this parable, there remains a great deal of mystery. Both the sheep and the goats are surprised. Neither knew that the encounters they had with the least were in fact encounters and opportunity for relationship with, as the parable states, the very king in whose presence they now stand. Robert Farrar Capon speaks to the mystery, which is a characteristic of the parables. Here he says the mystery is revealed in this final juncture because the Son of Man has come in full glory. Therefore, all is revealed now. Capon says, It is so easy to make the cursed goats at the king's left hand into bad people, loaded down with sins of omission. And it is even easier to make the blessed sheep at his right hand into do-gooders. But that simply will not bear the light of comparison with the rest of Jesus' teaching. That reminds me of the parable of the wedding banquet from a week ago. Do you remember? The parable makes a point to state the slaves brought in all they found, the good and the bad, into the wedding banquet. Capon draws one conclusion from this truth. Badness is not an obstacle to the kingdom. Neither is goodness a requirement for entrance into the kingdom. An example here would be the prodigal son who had squandered his property with dissolute living. He is brought back into the family at full status and has a feast and party thrown for him by his father. It is true here in this parable, there is a clear distinction made between the sheep and the goats, with a separation to follow. A separation meaning that some are in and some are out. Capon offers a different perspective about this separation, He suggests that in some sense, the separation remains within the flock and within the kingdom. He indicates that though separated, both sheep and goats remain within the presence of God. His explanation is compelling and very interesting. If you're interested in exploring his perspective and reading more of his bold interpretations of the parables, I recommend his book to you, The Parables of Judgment. We, well, at least I do, struggle with this whole separation thing. A division which leads to a descent into eternal torment for those who neglected to give aid and support. And yet, there it is, right there in the text. Capon admits that this separation imagery as he says, is a tricky piece of business. But I do find his perspective here helpful and important. This is the way he says it. The separation should not be interpreted in a way that portrays Jesus as having taken off the velvet glove of grace and put on brass knuckles. 
Above all, he says, it should not be read in this parable as turning the good shepherd into the wolf. Remember, throughout all the parables, grace is a gift. Acceptance is not based on goodness or badness. As Jesus portrays it, grace is a gift of acceptance already granted, a gift that it takes only a response of trust to enjoy. Like the elder son, who is still in the presence of the father, what will be his response? Will he respond in faith to the joy of salvation or choose to remain in his teeth-gnashing attitude, meaning despairing rage and remorse of being excluded? Or the laborers in the vineyard who are offered a response of faith, will they share in the joy born from the generosity of inclusion? or choose continued grumbling because of the expectation they could earn favor and advantage. One other thing the parable reveals to us. The parable reveals how we have opportunity to have and engage in relationship with Jesus through our encounters with the least of these. Share this prayer with me. God of grace, Soften my heart and open my eyes so that I may respond to you with trust. Amen. Amen.